church. As I introduced Gabe, Gabe's been a friend in our house. He said it's been five years he's been coming regularly. And, uh, you know, the Lord has been so gracious to this church called Northgate. It used to be Crossroads Community Church that he has always brought people into a relationship with us. I'm not talking about people who just come through, speak, and then leave. I'm talking about people that come into relationship with us, like, like Bill Johnson, like a Danny uh, Silk. I could go on down the line of, of people the Lord brought into our midst and built relationship with us, that it was a mutual giving and taking. Gabe, this guy, he, he sat with the staff on Thursday with us, or Friday morning. I mean, the, the, the wisdom that he carries as a 32-year-old man, like I'm going, Gabe, can I be a follower of you? And, uh, and he's just a man that's sold out to Jesus. And I feel like let's just honor him by standing and thanking him for the gift that he is to our body as a missionary and as a brother and a son. Gabe, we love you. Go ahead. Let's welcome him. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Dennis. So fun to be here. Um, before I jump in. I want to pray for something. I want to kind of go after something before I... Okay, Lord, let it hold. Um, I want to go after something specifically just quickly before I start with what I want to do this morning. Um, about a month and a half ago, I was in Kona. Um, and I had, there was like this weird little prophetic moment where I felt I had to go to these friends of mine. There's somebody in the household that's really sick, but I haven't seen them in probably five years. And I get there... And I said, hey, guys, can you just come over? I went over. The wife, when I get there, she's like, man, this morning, I've, in my quiet time, God said I should actually text you, but I didn't do it. I was disobedient. And to ask you to come pray for me, I have very severe MS. I almost died. Um, and to ask you to heal, to pray for me for healing. So I'm like, great. This is why I felt I'm here. It's kind of like a cool little, like, moment together. And um, long story short, pray for her. Um, and it was like 9 p.m. I had a job. I would do get to the airport at 10 so I was like it was quick it was nothing long and um, Monday is it Monday Monday I was in Kona again um, and I walk into her and she's like oh I forgot to tell you um, I'm completely healed from MS right and I'm like I'm like what what does it mean you're completely healed from MS she's like no no legit the doctor was so shocked, he sent me to a, a blood specialist to do follow-up blood test because he couldn't believe it because he's never seen this happen before. And um, here's what I want to pray for, right? The testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy, right? There's, there's nothing special about my prayers as much as there's something really special about Jesus. And um, by his stripes, we are healed. If you're in this room today, um, specifically here right now, and you have any long-term pain or disease, can I ask you to stand up? We want to pray for you. I really believe that God wants to do something, and I have faith that he will do it. So if that's you, we just want to pray. If somebody around you is standing, can you please lay your hands on them? You're the ministry team. Um, and we're just going to take, I want to pray for us, and we're just going to pray for one second and just thank Jesus for the finished work of the cross. So Father, I just thank you this morning in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask that you would come, Holy Spirit, we love you. I ask that you would move throughout this whole room. You would touch everybody. You would touch every nerve. <clears throat> you would touch every place of pain and discomfort. God, we just rebuke in Jesus' name any sickness. And in Jesus' name we ask, Father, right now, 
that power will touch every person standing. That they will feel electricity from heaven that will touch their bodies. Lord, we thank you that we can look at you as the great healer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Um, lately, we've been seeing some strange healings at our base. Um, this MS one was a pretty cool one. I haven't, honestly, this is the first time ever I've seen MS get healed. I've never seen that before. I've seen cancer stuff. I've never seen MS. I've prayed for it a ton. Um, I've prayed for it dozens of times. I've never seen anything happen. So I was more shocked than she was. Um, but in, at our base, we, um, I lead a, a mission space in South Africa, for those of you who don't know. Um, we, we were kind of contending for a season, really, that God would move in our midst with, with healing. And so one of our Zambian staff, Kawia, powerful, amazing man of God, um, is in the gym. And this guy has like a moon boot on. And he's like, hey, can I pray for you? The guy says, yes, he prays for him. The next day, a guy runs up to him at the gym. He says, how do you remember me? He's like, what? He's like, oh, yesterday I had a moon boot on. I actually broke my ankle, right? And I had to have it on for eight weeks. It happened a week ago. I went to the doctor, took a scan. My ankle wasn't broken anymore. Right now... That was wild. I said, well, are you sure? Right? Like, I, I, I was like, are you sure his ankle is broken? He's like, yeah, that's what he said. I was like, wow. So next story, and this is a wild one. I just want to stir your face a little bit, and then we're going to jump in this morning. Um, we had a, uh, one of our, our maintenance guy, right? And I'm, I love this story. This is like my favorite healing story of all of last year, right? Because it's not like the guy with the mic, Right? Like usually whenever the guy with the mic talks about a cool miracle story, half the people in the room disqualify themselves. You can't disqualify yourself now because it's the guy that fixes our toilets. Okay? The guy that fixes our toilets is with a guy that we're contracting in to put in new ACs. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Alright? It's like you need heating, we need AC. Right? It was, and we haven't had it for four years in one of our classrooms. You remember the Reverend Riff classroom? It was rough. Poor Carla. Um, and in our prayer room, we also didn't have one. So like when prayer gets really hot, you just, it gets hot. And, um, and so the, the, this guy walks up the stairs and he, he's at the top of the stairs. He's like, <gasps> he's out of breath and, and hot. Yes, yeah, this, this friend, this staff member of ours, the maintenance guy, phenomenal guy, phenomenal guy. He looks at me and says, are you okay? He says, yeah, I was in a car accident. My, my lungs got crushed. So I only at the best day have 82% oxygen. Now, if you remember COVID, 82% oxygen is horrible. Like they said, you cannot, you should live at the ocean, right? And, but he can't, he got a job there. He can't afford moving, da, 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 da. And then um, he gets in his car to drive away and Hoya says, wait, let me just pray for you. He prays for him. And um, the guy just starts weeping. He says, nobody's prayed for him ever for healing. So he has such bad oxygen, he has that little finger thing with him that he carries with him. So as Hoya prays on his finger, it goes from 82 to 91. Right? Now, now, guys, you need to understand, that's not like somebody say, oh, my neck feels better, or I had a headache, it feels better. There's literally, he's praying and he's seeing the number go up. Right? So this guy, right, gets radically touched. He's like weeping, encountered by the Lord. Power is on him. 
He goes home, he gets his whole family, like calls his family from all over the city, come to my house. There's like 20, 30 people in his, in his living room. He starts testifying about Jesus did. He says, look here, and he puts it on his finger. And as he's talking, goes from 91 to 98. As he testifies about God's healing, it increases, right? And, and, I'm, and I'm sharing this with you guys because sometimes, like, I've been in a charismatic world a while, and um, I used to do some stuff with Randy Clark and these guys, you see crazy miracles, and then sometimes you get, just get into the ministry world, and you, you stop trusting God for MS to get healed. Right? So I would have never said I stopped trusting, but, like, the level of my faith to, like, put it out there, we kind of, like, become um, the- theologically kind, which is important, but we also then become careful. Right, and I, I just want to encourage you, don't become careful. Right? Stay wild. Right? Stay on the edge. Stay like dangerous. Right? You can be the most theologically correct kind person in the universe. Satan is not afraid of your kindness. Right? He's afraid of the anointing of the Holy Spirit on kindness. Right? Don't be a jerk. Right? But it's important that we don't get settled in powerless living. And so I would just encourage you, Northgate, like power is in your DNA. Like living a powerful life is a part of who this church is. Stick with it. Okay, so this morning we're going to have fun. Um, I, was, I had something completely different planned. And then um, I felt unsettled the whole time. And I thought it was maybe just, I don't know, I'm tired or something. But um, I then, this morning, as I just sat in worship, I kind of felt God said, you need to do this. So I'm going to go for it. Um, and I, I want to maybe just start with a little bit of a feedback from this last 12 months um and i want to say this northgate like when i came here the first time you're in a little school hall right and there was like about the amount of people of this one side here right that's how it felt at least to me and seeing um what god has done in this around this has been phenomenal Right, and, 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 and I'm, I'm involved in a lot of relationships that's connected to you to some extent. And then like seeing like some of the friends in the relationships that's here, right? People now working in the office that we knew well and like, man, seeing how everything is together. Like there's just some things that I'm like, man, I'm so excited about the things God is doing because my friends are friends of friends are getting blessed by what's happening here, right? And on the other side, when we came here the first time, me and Michelle were moving to South Africa of 27 people hoping that God would do something, right? And it was kind of crazy and scary. And today where we're standing right here, um, there's about 140 staff. We speak 22 different languages. We're from 19 different countries, right? And, and we have seen God do things in our midst that we could not have imagined. Um, over this last 12 months, we have had 500 living room gatherings, we usually, t- t- churches invite us a lot of times. We tell them, hey, don't give us your platform. Give us your living rooms, right? We're way more effective in a living room than we're on a platform, right? It's hard to multiply a platform. It's very easy to multiply on fire 20-year-olds, right, that are dangerous, right? Because dangerous 20-year-olds get words of knowledge about the dreams you had the previous night, and then your son gets saved, and then all of his friends come to Jesus. That's a real story. Um, and they don't even know that's Christian legal completely, but because they're on fire for Jesus, it starts zeal, okay? And, and I want to tell you something. There's something happening in our nation because of this church. And we've seen, man, we see thousands come to Jesus. And I'm not exaggerating when I'm saying that. And we've seen hundreds trained go to the ends of the earth. And Northgate, you need to know from the depth of my heart, like there really is, this goes onto your account, if I can say it this way. 
this church has been so invested in South Africa. Like I can say with confidence what we've experienced, I don't know what would have happened if it wasn't for this church. There's a measure of partnership that you guys have shown that has blessed the ends of the earth. And I want to read you one quick story, um, a testimony of exactly that point. And it's going to lead into my sermon for today. Um, this church, I fully believe, really does have an apostolic call to see people raised up, sent, blessed, equipped to the nations and in the nations. And for some of you, you're like, man, I'm in Alaska. What the heck does that mean, right? And I will tell you, you're a part of a story that you do not even know yet. The beauty of this grand design that God has built throughout all of scriptures and history is a story that is your story. It's not Gabriel's story. It's not this weird guy from Africa. Okay, this is our story. We have the same father and he's writing us into something. And so your house has not just been part of financially giving. You've not just been part of praying, but you've actually been a part of equipping the global body. So we did a training with bases, like missions bases that are on the forefront of very difficult locations on the earth. And um, I kind of called about 11 of these locations together and um, we did a training on how do you have kind of good missional living, team dynamics, and we were kind of helping them to reach these very hard places. And um, I wanna read you guys here a testimony um, that one of these people wrote actually about Carla, right? Because we asked her to come in and to come teach these people about team dynamics and how do you handle conflict, right? And um, this is the story this people works on the border of Somalia, which is the most violent nation against Christians. And they're reaching literally, I would say, top three hardest to reach people on the earth. And this is the impact I want you to hear that you have had on this people. Listen to this. Hey guys, just want to write a quick update. Me and Bernice came when our team was in chaos but we brought back so much of the teaching and wisdom and really worked out living out the culture that we have all desired and agreed upon. Listen to this now. The team is smoking healthy right now and, and love and unity is abounding. This is yours. I want you to take that. Okay? These are people living in miserable environments. Like these are Americans, Germans, South Africans who gave up their lives, moved to the ends of the earth and Northgate helped them to be smoking healthy. Okay. We're experiencing God's command. Uh, we're experienced God's command blessing on our, our community when we have drawn together in unity. There has been breakthrough on so many levels and then she gives points to breakthrough. With greater trust, I've been, and this is a lady leading this group of people. With greater trust, I've been able to empower more people to carry more roles. Um, and it's been such a joyful experience for me. With new roles, we have now a new finance guy who stepped up and is coming alive. Um, and we just realized he was supernova gifted and nobody ever knew it. <laughs> Third point, we've experienced favor. It seems like the Lord has given us public open doors when it comes to government, etc. God is numbered, then this last one gets me. Listen to this. God has also birthed a new ministry of inner healing of Somali women who have been abused. One of my team members have joined me doing this. 
we're going to help plant underground churches as revival come to the most forgotten woman. There is so much more, but I'll stop here. Thank you for what you guys have done. It was no little thing. And, and I want to say this, Northgate, that, that story is one of dozens I can read you. And I, I, and I want to say from the depth of my heart, thank you. Right? Thank you for sowing into the ends of the earth. It's not just some hypothetical like cloud that we're talking about. There are real faces of real people with real names that Jesus died for. And so that being said, I want to jump into my sermon today. And I, I, I told her in the first service, I said, hey, I'm going to be unbalanced. And I'm, I'm not going to make a well-rounded argument because you're a local church, which means you usually do. And then after I preached it, um, Dennis came up and said, I just want to let you know that was not unbalanced. You can do that again. So I'm just going to do it this time and not say I'm unbalanced. Thank you, Dennis. I appreciate all the permission you've given me. So let's pray. Stretch out your hands to me. Lord, we love you. Holy Spirit, you are our best friend. We love you. You are the Lord and the giver of life. Manifest your life here. Your presence is life. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be pleasing your sight. Lord, I ask that your word will come like a sword. And it will cut through hearts that we will see rightly. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to read you a few things this morning. One of the things I want to read you is, I want to talk today a little bit about the ends of the earth. I want to talk about those areas, those people, those places that others have deemed too hard, too forgotten, not economically viable enough to go to. Um, where's, where's Emberley? Right? So she has, what's the initiative called? I'm somebody. Whew. I don't know why I get, I get emotional about that every time. I feel I have some, I'm somebody that Emberly has started here was a seed sown in the ground that God has seen. And in the same way that there's old people all over this area that people have forgotten, I'm here to tell you, to tell you that there are people groups by the thousands all over the earth that people have forgotten. That there's three billion people who's never heard the name of Jesus. In Northgate, I want to tell you that they are somebody. These people are somebody. They're, they're, they're real people in the same way that these older people are somebody. I want that I am somebody thing to burn into your consciousness the same way that you drive an hour there and there's an old person by themselves. You can fly 20 hours that direction and there's 10,000 people in a village who's never had anybody think they're economically worth it, that they're worth it to travel that difficult location to get the good news. And this morning, that's kind of the drum I want to beat to say that Jesus died on the cross that the ends of the earth will meet him. Right? That the ends of the earth will meet them. And if you live in a big city, right, the ends of the earth is a strange thing to talk about, right? We have to kind of like color it in. You have to like, oh, the ends of the earth looks like this. I'm in freaking Alaska, okay? The ends of the earth is just there, okay? It's just like over there, right? It's just like you, you, you take a car, you drive that way, right? I can point where it is, right? Or, or that way, right? Or wherever it is. But you, you can get in your car and just go to where the earth stops to be. 
Okay? And, and for some reason, for that very reason, I believe that what I'm going to talk about today is deeply important to this community. Is that geographically you're positioned to never forget. Every single number plate reminds you that God has made you to be frontiers. To be those who go where others go. It's too hard, it's too dark, it's too cold. You're like, really? Interesting. Huh. I have a jacket for that. It's not cold yet. That's, that's full. <laughs> I'll read us this quote. It says this. Listen carefully. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exists because worship does not. Worship is ultimate, not missions. Because God is ultimate and not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before God's throne, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. Missions is not the end goal. Worship is. This morning as I'm with you, I want to talk to you. I started with the first service and I, and I spoke about this. And I said, guys, you need to understand. There's this Latin phrase, momentus mori, I think is what is in Latin. But it says, you will not live forever. There will come a real day where you will breathe out your last breath. And you will stand before the Lord and we will all give an account of our lives. And in giving an account of our lives, there's a portion of our life that we need to go like, did my life, did my life align with what this book tells me God really cares about? Right? Did, did my life align with it? And, and, and as a Christian, your perspective about missions is literally three things. You're either a sender, which means you pray and you send people to go. You're a goer, which means you go, or you're disobedient. There's, there's not really a different perspective. You're either helping people do it, or you're doing it, or you're in sin. That's kind of how it is. It's not really my opinion. It's kind of what the book says. Behold, all authority. How much authority has been given to me? So go therefore. Into all the earth. Didn't say sit. Like Danny would say. Said go. God cares so much about going. That is two thirds of his name. He really cares about going. And, and this morning. A part of what I want to bring to you Northgate. Is maybe a fresh reminder. And a signing up. Of what does it mean as a church to be a going church? What does it mean that you will not live forever? What does it mean that this empire you're building here will burn down? Right? And not burn down in a way that it doesn't matter. Burn down in a way that it will go through fire to be tested. And everything that was not built with love in mind will be a waste. Everything that was not built in response to God's glory... Or in obedience to what he's asked you to do. You can get to heaven and God can say well done you're saved but your life was wasted. 
Don't waste your life. Francis Chan was with us in, in, in March, and we had this big conference. The last day of the conference, he made this statement and rocked me. Right? And there was, it was geared towards educated, affluent, young, working people. And um, he said this, I can remember when I gave away my first million. We built a hospital. And then he said, I made a promise to God that every year of my life will give away a million dollars if you enable me to do it. And he looked at the crowd of young people. He says, I dare you, make a fortune and give it away. It's offensive. Whew. It touches something. It touches something of our liberty to go like, what I have is not mine. Do you know what I don't have? My life is not mine. My life is somebody else's. I get to steward this life he gave. The song we sang is so well said. The breath that I breathe now, every time I do this, it's a reminder that it's not mine. And my God may glorify you. We see in Romans 15, I just want to read you this piece of scripture. I'm going to unpack this a little bit. I'm going to read you two more things and we're going to respond to whatever God does in our hearts. Paul writes here to the church in Romans, uh, in Rome, and he says this. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. So with one heart and mouth you might glorify the God of our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says this. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promise that he made to the patriarchs. Now, verse 9, listen to this. So that. Say so that. Say it again. So that. The Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. He says Jesus came to prove the faithfulness that the Father had to the patriarchs, that the promises to Israel is always true, so that the Gentiles might glorify the Father for his mercy, so that worship might arise in Somalia, that adoration might arise in Tibet. You understand, like there's a difference between thanksgiving and praise. Right? Thanksgiving is, I think, I give you thanks. Praise is, I worship you because of who you are. But adoration is when thanksgiving and praise become so mixed together that my only response is, wow. That's adoring. It's like, wow. So when he talks about Jesus coming, proving God's faithfulness, he says, why? And he doesn't say, heaven. He doesn't say a comfortable life. He says, so that the ends of the earth might glorify the Father for his mercy. And in the first service, I spoke about this. Like, I remember the first time me and Michelle went to the Amazon. It was wild. It was the most horrible trip I've been on in my life. I've been to some bad places, okay? I've been in war zones. I've been held at gunpoint. I've been almost stabbed a few times. Like, I've been in, in hard places. The Amazon is the worst place I've ever been, okay? Because everything tries to eat you, 
Okay, I, I, I had 88 bite marks in the inside of my right leg from my knee to my ankle and I stopped counting. Okay, I was like, this is discouraging. I should not count anymore, right? And, and I, had like, I, had, I had like bug cream on me, but it was South African bug cream, which was a big mistake. Like Amazonian bugs take that bug cream and it's like a shot to them. They're like, whoa, like what is this? Like this is, it didn't kill them, right? So they ate me. And we're in this place, and I remember we, we're going into this village. It's called Ararakura, and God is moving. We saw all these people get healed. It was, pretty, it was pretty amazing. And we're in this village, and the military comes to us, and they have all their guns and, like, grenades and stuff, and they're just very armed. And I was like, man, these guys are ready for war. Like, this must be a wild place, or they're just flexing. But... Um, they come to us and they sit us down like, what are you doing here? And we tell them, well, we're here to talk about Jesus, da 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 da, da. And like, okay, that's awesome. Please keep doing it. Um, but here's the thing. You see those sirens? And we're like, yes. It's like, if they go off, it means that the Colombian cartel is invading us. And you run into the forest. I was like, I don't want to run into the forest. This is a horrible place. They're just like, well, it's better you die in the forest than the rebels catch you. All right, so we're there. We're like, this is super intense. But God is moving in that area, right? So me and Michelle and a few of our friends take a four-day canoe, and the canoe is literally this big. Right? It's so painful. Like, like, and you go on this canoe, and they give you a cup because it's leaking. So you're scooping out your cup the whole time. I swear to you, I, I'm, legi- I'm promising to you, and they, each of us got two or three cups because you get so tired, you fall asleep, and the cup falls in the water. Right? But if all the cups fall in the water, the boat sinks. Right? So we all had a few cups, and you're just scooping out water, and we get to this, this tribe we want to go reach. And um, it was pretty in- wild. Like, so we get there. It's the first time Michelle saw a blind person here, a blind person see. And, um, and she's a lawyer, so she like, interrogated them. Right? She's like, I want to make sure this is true. It's 100% true. This person, like, it's wild. The power of God breaks out. This whole tribe gets saved. Now, any, is there anybody here who has been in missions before? Can I just see a raise of hands? High arm, elbows. Okay. You know tribes don't get saved. Unless God did something strange. That's just not normal. Okay? It just doesn't work like that. So we, we're like, kind of like, are you sure? Like, we're like, are you misunderstanding what we're asking you to do? Like, long story short, they go like, no, 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 no. Just thank you. And we're like, well, what are you, why are you saying thank you? Like, well, seven years ago, there was a missionary that came and he preached the gospel to us. And um, he said, I'll come back and explain the rest to you. And he's never come back. And we've been waiting for seven years to receive Jesus. And here's their question. Where have you been? Where have you been? And today, friends, there is close to 3 billion people across the earth who's asking you, where have you been? Where have you been? Like, where, like, where are you? Church, where are you? We were just in Mali. We're praying that Muslims will get dreams and get saved. This young man comes up to us after we had this eight-hour prayer said, he comes and says, I'm a result of your prayers. Um, I was a radical Muslim, and I was walking in the desert one day, and I thought I had a vision. And... I saw, and a man came to me, and he says, I thought it was a vision, but it was real. Man came to me on a white horse with a white robe and a drawn sword, and he says, I am the word of life. Go ask your imam what it means. Goes to his imam, and imam goes like, I don't know what it means. Go ask the Christians, and he got saved. Right? Like, I, I, I can keep you busy the whole day. Like, in 2016, first time I went to Nepal, crazy trip, hiked a gazillion miles. 
it was really, really difficult, and we could not find one Christian. We couldn't even find people who knew about Christianity in the area we were in, right? So then you have to take, tell somebody about Jesus, and, and they're worshiping idols, and they're like, can you, show, can you show me his statue? And it's just it's so hard to be with these people. And because they just really have no grasp of what does it mean to be a Christian. And it's for, for you in the room, that's a hard thing to grasp, but people have no concept of Jesus. Zero. Right? Do you know what the, the greatest opposition to salvation was? It's too good to be true. The greatest opposition to people responding to the good news of Jesus is, Gabe, what you're telling me is too good. You're telling me I don't have to sacrifice. He sacrificed for me. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Can't be. If God like that exists, I'll give him everything. Well, he does. Great response right there. That's what happens if the gospel strikes your heart. Now, last year, eight years later, seven-ish years later, I went back to the same area, but we didn't hike up. We went with motorcycles. I told them the longest I've ever in my entire life driven on a motorcycle before that was about 20 minutes. And then I did 12 hours, right? And what Top Gear called the most dangerous road on earth, right? I almost died a few times. I was about halfway up. There's a few thousand feet cliff next to me, and I got off the motorcycle and literally sat next to the cliff. I said, Lord, I've been irresponsible with my life. Please forgive me. Don't let me die. <laughs> but, but here's the wild thing. We went to literally, it's like the Tibetan plateau. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's so hard to get there. And everywhere we went, we found Christians. Eight years later, every place we went, the previous time we couldn't found them. This time, every single little village in the middle of nowhere, underneath a mountain, like, you will never find these people. Like, they're like so isolated. And every single place we went, something shifted in eight years. Eight years ago, there was no witness. Eight years later, all of them have somebody they know that's Christian. And church today, what I want to tell you is you have a part in raising up a song that will be heard in the ends of the earth. That when we read Revelation 5 and it talks about they're singing a new song and it's by your blood, Jesus, thank you that you have bought people from every nation, every tribe. That same song, we have the privilege to take that to the ends of the earth. That they can praise the one who is perfect, but they can also give thanksgiving for the mercy that he has shown. Guys, do you remember the first time you truly got caught up in adoration? I remember it. I was in a 333 house in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and there was a worship team leading worship. And I remember the presence of God fell in the room, and I stood like this, and the only thing that can come out of my mouth was beauty. Beauty. Like, I didn't even think God was, I'm a manly man. Saying God is beautiful is weird, okay? But like, when it came on me, literally, my mouth could not say anything but beauty and wow. Like, I couldn't worship. I couldn't sing. I was like awestruck with what is coming close to me. And friends, you need to understand that there's three billion people waiting for beauty. Waiting for a church who has AC, great lights. Now, I don't have a problem with any of those things, unless I do. The problem becomes this. 
if we build a system that is self-sufficient and that forgets that we have brothers and sisters that are just that way you can drive to them you can get on an airplane and fly to them you can either pray for them help people go to them go to them or be disobedient it's your choice and this morning as we're in church together my invitation to you Northgate so I want you to do a litmus test of your heart I want to ask you do you care about those who everybody else have forgotten about you need to understand that in our time this is not exaggerated my generation potentially can see the great commission fulfilled it's a real possibility you, know, you understand there's a, there's a chance that Anastasia my daughter who's 21 months old <clears throat> that her children would not know the term unreached <coughs> you understand that when Jesus gave Peter the great commission we might be the first generation that gives the baton back to Jesus says okay what are you going to do next that part is done what now are you going to split the sky or is there something else we are the first people nobody John Wesley couldn't say it the Jesus Street Revival couldn't say it. The church fathers could not say it. We can put on our lips without exaggeration. We can finish that there is no people left to reach. Yeah. We can do it. And I want to read you guys two poems. The one I want to read you as an invitation. The other one I want to read you as a challenge. And the one poem is was written by a friend of William Carey. William Carey, they say, is the father of modern-day missions. He was the first real high-impact missionary that moved to India, changed India forever, okay? And there's this, there's this article that was written about his friend, and he says, I stayed behind to change the world. And it was the guy who prayed, fasted, interceded, fundraised, so that William Carey could start the first Indian National Bank, could start the first Indian railroads, could give rights to women and children, could give prison rights, could build universities, right? There is a nation today, India has one of the fastest growing Christian populations on earth. Like, do you understand that India is 1.3 billion people? They are growing faster in Christians than most of the Western world statistics combined. So if this place is 4%, this place is 6%, this place is 10 all the things combined grow slower than India's Christian population is growing right now. And because there was one person who was brave enough to go and there was others who was brave enough to stay and do the work. And both of these have a purpose in God's kingdom. And William Carey and his friends had this, um, they had this analogy of holding the rope. It's a phenomenal analogy. Him and his friends were saying, he was saying to his friends, I'm going down a mine shaft to his dark and nobody has ever gone down. To go get the gems to give to the father's crown. Will you hold the rope? I want to read you this. This is him and his friends writing. Our undertaking to India 
really appear to me on its commitment to be someone like a, somewhat like a few men who were deliberating about the importance of penetrating into a deep mine of deep darkness who has never been explored. We have no one to guide us. And while we, while we are going, carry as it were said, well, I will go down if you will hold the rope. But before we went down, before he went down, he, as it seemed to me, took an oath from each of us at the mouth of the pit as he was leaning back that while we lived, we shall never let go of the rope. And church, this is what I want to put before you today. Is I do believe there's people in this congregation that God has called to go. Honestly. There are people here that will go to the ends of the earth. You'll move to India. You'll move to Uzbekistan. You'll move to Kazakhstan. You'll move to Iran. You'll move to Morocco. You'll move to some of these places that nobody else has ever had the courage to go. I, I really do believe it. But I, I also believe that thousands of hours will be spent in that house of prayer travailing over those who have not yet heard about Jesus. And I love the map of Alaska, but you better get a map of the world. There are billions who have not heard. I want to challenge you this morning to go to that prayer room, go find a little sticker, go on Joshua Project Research Unreached, go find a people group who nobody has gone to, go put a sticker on the map. Say, God, reach these people. I ask Jesus, for the sake of your name, would you do it? Church, I believe that once we start partnering our prayers with God's dreams, crazy things start happening. Wild things start happening. Dangerous things start happening. And I want to I wanna challenge some of you this morning to reconsider how you use your finances. To reconsider how you build your nest egg and what you give towards. And I realize in missions sometimes this is an unpopular thing to say, but I'm going to say it. Is the reality is the global West can fund world missions, I think, 30 times over. Like it is not a money problem, it's a heart problem. It's a heart problem. And some of us, God has gifted to help people by the thousands go into missions. And, and some of us will waste our youthfulness in the nations and I'll gladly do it. Gladly do it. Some of us will waste hours in a house of prayer and some of us will waste millions. Waste, accept, accept. When that great day comes and we stand before him, He's not going to call it waste. He's going to call it beautiful. So this morning, and you guys know me if you've heard me preach here before, usually I'm a little bit more upbeat and kind of trying to get you excited about something. But I feel like purposefully in the first service, as well, I, I feel not to go there. I feel that there's a bit of a somber challenge before you. 
is will you take responsibility for this? And it's not just Dennis and Carla and Aaron and who else is a part of your team here's job to take responsibility for this. How does it look like if every individual in the church takes responsibility for this? Let me tell you a story. I didn't think about this. Last week, I have a friend. His name is Caleb. And um, one of his best friends, his two sons asked, can they have a phone, a Zoom call with me and Caleb? And we're like, yeah, please, anytime. Why? And he's like, well, they're nine and 10 and they're learning about world missions. And they asked me, can they speak to real missionaries? And we said, oh, of course. And so their sons are first on a call with Caleb and then with me. And they asked me, so Gabe, what do you do? And so I tell them, they're like, oh, cool. So they have like a list of questions. Okay, so why does your heart care about the people that don't know Jesus? Why do you think we should care? And at the end of our time together, these nine and 10 year olds say, can we please pray for you? And they're like, Jesus, we ask that you would bless Gabriel as he does your work to reach those who don't know you. And they say, uncle, can we please give some of our savings so you can see people come to Jesus? They paid $70 into my account. And I'm like, that money is so holy. Now, it's not about money, guys. That stuff, money, money, God can make money appear out of trees. Here's the thing. When we waste precious things on him, it's remembered forever. Mary of Bethany wasted her inheritance on Jesus. Do you know what he said? This is what he called it. She has done a beautiful thing. The religious called it waste. Jesus called it beautiful. He called it beautiful. And he said, whenever my name is mentioned, hers will be mentioned. You guys understand, she's mentioned more than two-thirds of the apostles. Two-thirds, capital A apostles that have the authority to write scripture. She is mentioned more than two-thirds of them because God is not moved with our titles or our anointings or even his predestined plans for us. God is moved by hearts that are given to radical, loving obedience. That's why the flags are beautiful. I don't get flags, I'm honest. I'm not the flag guy. But you know why it moves God? Because it's real. Move God because it's wholehearted. It moves God because it's given without reserve. And I believe in this day, God is raising up a church who will give ourselves to those who everybody has forgotten about. To those who people say, well, I can't market this. Why would I go to these places if I can't put it on social media? It's too dangerous. Why, if I can't gain from this, would I do it? And God is raising up a loving people who say, God, I would waste it all. If your name will be made great in the ends of the earth. You need to understand Northgate. There are people on the earth who will sing songs because of what you have done. Because of Carla's training, there will be Somali women who get healed from being sexually abused. He will say, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And it was two days. It wasn't even hard. We had like a two-day fun trip afterwards. But our little effort... God goes like, let me multiply it all. So I want to pray. And Tanner, you can come on the keys if you're here. Thanks, buddy. 
And this is, I want to pray that God will freaking touch you. Like you don't need my hype. You need God. I can't sustain you when you're sitting in a dark place. You're by yourself. I remember the first time I snuck into a war zone. I'm sitting behind my laptop. I'm reading the word. I'm saved four months. Oh. I remember like I'm an only child. Like I'm by myself very far away from everything. And literally the place where I'm sitting is like shaking because it's Afrin in northern Syria. It doesn't exist anymore because Turkey destroyed it. But there was war and you could feel the building shaking from the artillery shooting. I'm spending time with Jesus. And I have some worship on my Bible is open. I will never forget you. I, I met him. I met him in that dark place. And he said to me, Gabe, I promise you, you will never be alone. Friends, I can tell you today where I'm standing here. I've never been alone since that day. I've been in dark places. I've had painful seasons, but Jesus has been faithful. So this morning when I pray for you, my prayer is really that God will meet you because my excitement can't do that. My excitement can't sustain you when obedience calls you. So maybe just where you are, put your hand on your heart. And if you feel the Lord is touching, I would want you to stand whenever you feel that. Father, this, this morning, Jesus, we love you. We love you. Come, Holy Spirit. You are the Spirit of missions. You are the one that sends the church. The Father and the Son have sent you. I ask, Holy Spirit, touch my friends. Touch me, God. Pray, send us, Lord. Send us, if it's to the house of prayer, to intercede for the ends of the earth. If it's to our bank accounts, to give towards it. If it's by going ourselves, God, I ask this morning that you would impart missional zeal in our hearts that is stirred by heaven and not by man. That the grace will be in the room, the same grace that led Peter back into Jerusalem. Lord, I ask that there truly will be just angelic grace to lead people by the hand to the ends of the earth. Lord, I just bless what you're doing in this room. Father, I ask, Lord, that the native peoples of Alaska will not go without a witness. God, I ask, raise up a witness in Jesus' name. How could they have heard if it has not been preached? How can they preach if they have not been sent? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. God, I ask that from this house, a witness will be raised up. They'll be sent to the Middle East. They'll be sent to Central Asia. They'll send to the war zones in Africa. They'll be sent to 
Asia and the darkness that's within that region of Buddhism, Hinduism. God, we ask that you would do something beyond us. If you feel the Lord is tugging in your heart, I just really want to ask you to stand. Just respond to him. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask this morning for fresh fire to hit this room. Same fire that was on the Moravians where young men and women will sold themselves into slavery so that the slaves might be reached. Lord, I ask that that grace will fall on this room to waste our lives for the sake of the one. Those who nobody cares about God, that it will fall on this room. That people will be woken up at night with dreams of faces of people calling them, saying, come to me, come to me. Lord, I ask, show them those people. Show them those mountains. Show them those deserts. Show them those forests. Show them that people. Holy Spirit, come. We don't want to stir it up. You do what we cannot do. stand. Go ahead, Tanner. Let's just stand before the Lord. Lean in. Go ahead, Tanner. Go sing it again. Oh, God. 
place and preeminence that in all things you would have preeminence that in all that in all things you would have the first place so put me anywhere just put your glory in me and I'll serve anywhere Just let me see your beauty And put me anywhere Just put your glory in me I'll serve anywhere Oh, let me see your beauty Thank you, Lord Oh, God I just want, just take a minute here Space standard You know, I, I'm aware of a lot of people in this room, right? I'm aware there's a lot of people that have sowed, have entered into missions, have given, and maybe some of us have not. And maybe those of us who have, have begun to play it safe. I felt, I felt from the Lord. I drove here and I was thinking about offering for Gabe. I'm kind of like in with myself, like, okay, I just sowed into Dylan for this trip and I just sowed in to trip for Alaska. And I, okay, Lord, what do you ask me to sow in? And I'm thinking, I think I'll hold this one out. Jesus, I think, I think I've sown this month and, and I'm getting there and I'm getting rocked. And I was just, I get a prophetic word from our prophetic people and it's talking about abundance. Like there's an angel here to release abundance for God's partnership. I, I feel like there are moments when the Lord gives us an opportunity to say yes in a new way. And I felt like this is a moment where you can say yes to the Lord in a new way. I think there's some people who've been saving up for a vacation, even though they went last year. They're saving up for vacation for this year. And they went two years ago too. And, there's, and the Lord is saying, nah, not a vacation this year. So into the kingdom, into missions. I think there's a, like he said, nest eggs, like saving up for self, or, um, retirement. And the Lord said, hey, why don't you risk some of that and see what I can do? It's not about giving to Gabe and Michelle. That's not my goal here, although we're going to give to them. That's where we're going to sow it. It's about really a, a fresh surrender of our lives for the sake of Christ on the earth in this hour. And I agree with Gabe. I agree with Corey. The time is short. And you'll be before the Lord face to face. And so I, I'm going to go back with Brenda. We're going to go back. Could you put that giving up there for us again? If you, if you can give today, we've got two baskets, but you're not just sowing into Gabe and Michelle and unreached people groups. You're sowing into the vision of Christ on the planet. And then also you might just ask the Lord. If you're a couple, ask the Lord, how much do you want us to give? Not how much do I have, can I afford How much you want me to give? 
Because I guarantee you, if he gives you a mount, he's going to make it work for you. Somebody say amen. How many of you have had that experience? Like you've given beyond what you thought you really should, and he made it work for you. Anybody, only three? Oh, man, this church needs to grow in faith. So, Lord, we surrender to the vision and the mission of Christ Jesus on the earth again. We present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. Lord, we will become your prayer warriors. We will become generous givers, and we will go. All three are part of this invitation. Let this church make a mark on earth because of our sacrifice and our love for you, Jesus. In his precious name, I pray. Amen. Well, I just want to make sure that you know that God is crazy about you. And uh, he's crazy about those that are forgotten and unseen too. So give as you can, as you feel from the Lord, I should say. Be blessed. If you want prayer, there'll be a ministry team up here. And uh, somebody just lift up a shout it out for Gabe and Michelle again. Can we? I didn't. I. I didn't, I didn't mention when I introduced him, but he, they are our missionaries, so we support them as a church family. So we love you guys. We're so glad you came again.